long, our trials hard to bear. We're tempted to complain, to murmur and despair, but Christ will soon appear to catch his bride away. All tears forever over in God's eternal day. Sometimes the sky looks dark with not a ray of light we're tossed and driven on no human help inside but there is one in heaven who knows our deepest care let jesus solve your problem just go to him in prayer. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One of his dear face all sorrow will erase so bravely run the race till we see Christ life's day will soon be o'er all storms forever pass we'll cross the great divide to glory safe at last we'll show the joys of him a heart a home a crown the tempter will be banished we'll lay burdens down it will be worth it all when we see Jesus life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ one glimpse of his dear face all sorrow will erase, so bravely run the race, till we see Christ. I like that, wasn't that good? It's always nice to see a different what do you want to call it, um, configurations. It's kind of nice, isn't it? It's great. Well, anyway, that sounded good. That's a great song. What a message that song has, amen? Tremendous message. Let's take our Bibles, turn to the book of John, John chapter 5. And 
again, just want to continue to encourage you to pray for our young people. And listen, you know, I've, I've dealt with young people for years. And, um, you know, uh, the impact that camp has is um, it's, it's unmatched. And again, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm a, a pastor. I'd like to think that all these young people, man, they are just so fired up because their preachers so great and they just love the Lord and they make all these great grand decisions as a result of the preaching that comes from this pulpit. But <clears throat> I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I think we lay the foundation many times and then the Holy Spirit uses situations like this where they have to get away from things. You know, they kind of get away from all the distractions in their life. <clears throat> you know, all the the television and the phones and the friends and the activities and all the things that are going on. And then all of a sudden, they can now hear that still small voice. And um, <clears throat> I'm not downplaying what goes on here. I'm just saying it can't. I don't know that uh, there's a time in a teenager's life that compares to that to some degree. And I've had so many parents, not parents, but workers that have gone to camp say, why can't we do that for adults? <clears throat> and we could do that for adults, but you'd whine and cry because we'd have to get babysitters for you. I can't go because I have kids, and you won't give me a babysitter. And I'd be like, forget it, forget it. That's the problem. You now have responsibilities. Guess what? We don't just get to go like that now, do we, unfortunately? But it would be wonderful. You know, we have things like a couple's retreat that lasts overnight. But, boy, to get away for four or five nights, wouldn't that be something? Really, I mean, four or five. And then some of you guys are married. Let's face it, you know. Oh, I have to, my little baby, I got to take care of her. Uh, whatever. Come on, she's probably happy to be away from you for five days. <clears throat> so, but, but I can just see, you know, well, you know. Do we get to stay? No, you don't. It's all the guys cabin the ladies and no touching. Six-inch rule in place here. Otherwise, there's still distractions, you know what I mean? <clears throat> so... You know, camp just wouldn't work for married people. I just don't think it would work, okay? But anyway, nonetheless, you be praying for the teens. They're, they're going to have a great week. I, I just know it. And uh, listen, let's just be honest. There's always things that happen at camp that the kids aren't going to like. And there's going to be things that get them upset. And there's going to be other teenagers that say something or, or whisper something or look at them cross-eyed. And everybody's, <clears throat> you know. Let's just help them, uh, pray that the Lord will just help them to see that uh, don't let those things stand between you and a great week. People are people, no matter where you go. You're never going to find things perfect, you know. So, you know, just trust the Lord and, and keep praying for them and just help them to see that, man, it's a great time. It's the best times in their lives. Some of the best times of their life. So pray for them. Okay, John chapter 5, verse 39. We're not going to keep you real long tonight. I just want to... Basically, I'm going to share a story with you, and then I'm just going to uh, take you through some scriptures, and we're just going to learn something about the Lord tonight. We're just going to understand tonight that Jesus is sinless. Amen. That's, that's what we're just going to look at that for just a moment. But uh, John chapter 5, verse 39, we'll kick it off there. I don't know if the teens are watching or not. I hope that they were able to get it on. They're supposed to be able to see us by live stream. And if they're watching, I love you teenagers, and you guys just be safe. And... Uh, you better wake up now. It's preaching time. Okay, so anyway, <clears throat> all right. John chapter 5, verse 39. The Bible says, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Obviously, if we want to learn something about the Lord, if we want to know something about Jesus Christ, if we really want to be able to wrap our mind around who and what He's all about and who He is, 
then it's the scriptures that we have to go to. You know, it's one thing to hear a man speak or a woman share or, or possibly a teenager give a testimony. Those are all good things to some degree. But hold on. If we want to know something about the God of heaven that created all things and ultimately put us on this earth, then we need to find out who and what he's all about from his book. We need to allow him to describe himself, to, to share what he's all about himself and not us decide. We can't possibly put him in a box. We can't somehow make him fit our mold. No, he defines himself and he shares who and what he's all about in this book, the Word of God. He says, search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Not only do we see that uh, we learn about him through the Word of God, but it's interesting how he and, and salvation and eternal life and the scriptures are all connected together, aren't they? You have the scriptures, eternal life, and him, the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything fitting together here. It was just a couple of weeks ago, I believe, and <clears throat> yes, just a few weeks ago, and I made my way to the hospital. I, I made a visit on somebody that one of the church members had asked me to make a visit, and so I arrived at the hospital. I made my way to the room, and as I arrived at that room, um, <clears throat> I met this lady for the very first time ever, and I said, uh, you know, ma'am, you know, I'm Pastor O'Donnell from Community Baptist Temple, and so-and-so asked me to come visit with you, and I just wanted to stop by because I was concerned about you, wanted to pray with you and take a few moments and maybe get to know you a little bit. And she was like, oh, okay, that was very nice of you. And her situation was such that she was maybe facing or looking at having a possibly a surgery of sorts and that kind of thing. And so, <clears throat> you know, I just wanted to talk with her a little bit, get to know her. And obviously you never go there without the desire and the the opportunity and without the design of trying to reach them for Christ. And so nonetheless, as I talked with her for a while, um, <clears throat> I eventually brought up this, this idea about salvation. And I, I just simply said, you know, obviously, you know, uh, you've been going through quite a bit and, uh, you know, that can be unnerving and unsettling at times. I'm just curious, uh, uh, you know, are you, con are, are you, do you have any concerns about eternity? You know, are you concerned about that or have you settled eternity? Do you know, without a doubt, heaven's your home. And uh, <clears throat> she said, well, I, you know, I, you know, I mean, I, I get, I've thought about it, but I don't, you know, I don't know that I can say for sure. No. And I said, okay, well, would you, would you mind if I took a moment and showed you from the word of God? And I began to quote a few scriptures to her about, you know, you know, in first John five thirteen, you know, these things have I written unto you that believe on the son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. I said, you can know, would you like me to share a few of those with you? She said, uh, I don't. I don't really know that I have time right now. <clears throat> and then she stopped and she paused and she, you could tell the wheels were turning. And she said, I guess that's about all I do have, really. <laughs> I said, okay. And so uh, opened the word of God up, began to take her through some scriptures. You know, obviously, just like we learn uh, the soul winning plan, I start right there at Romans chapter 3, verse 23, begin to share with her the, uh, the, the simplicity of the gospel. I mean, just... The simple fact that Jesus Christ, that we're all sinners. And, and then I showed her why we're sinners, you know, according to Romans 5.12. And began to just walk her through some of those truths and some of those principles. Eventually we got to the point uh, where, um, you know, the phone just kept ringing. It was crazy. Interruption after interruption. She's like, I can't believe this. You get here and all of a sudden everything's, you know, nurses in, doctors in, phones ringing. I said, that's okay. I'm used to it. <clears throat> and it happens every time, almost every time especially when you're trying to lead somebody to the Lord. And uh, 
So nonetheless, uh, all the doctors have left and everything. I pick back up again, and, and then another nurse comes in, and I pick back up again, and, and the phone rings, and we pick back up again. And every time I review and I summarize, try to put us right, she says, where were we at again? I said, right here. Let me tell you, first of all, number one, number two, number three. And all of a sudden, her, uh, as we're going through this process, her daughter walks in. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I hope her daughter's, you know, sensitive and open to this, you know, because sometimes children are a little bit protective of their elderly parents. And this woman wasn't real old, but she was a little more up in years, in her probably uh, late 60s. <clears throat> and uh, when I say up in years, I'm being very kind. You know, she's young, really, probably. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> so her daughter comes in, and I'm like, oh, boy. And, she's in, and she says, oh, oh, hello, 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 hello there. And I said, uh, I said, listen, I'm the pastor over at the church. And I said, we're just taking a few minutes learning some things about the Word of God and trying to understand how we can know for sure heaven's our home. And she was like, oh, okay. Uh, well, i got to go to the bathroom. And so, <clears throat> literally, but she didn't use those terms. And so off to the bathroom she went. And I thought, praise the Lord, you know. So and keep on going. So we kind of summarized real quick again. Jump back into the plan. Moving along real good. And we get to the place where I'm talking now about, about the Lord and about the fact that he's, you know, that Jesus Christ is the only way, so to speak, the only truth, you know, the only light. And um, she, you know, I, she walks out of the restroom and I hear a door open. And at about that time, I'm saying to this particular lady, I'm saying, you know, Jesus Christ, he, he, was, he was perfect. He was sinless. He never sinned. And she said, yes, he did. Just like that. Not, not the lady I'm talking to, the daughter. Yes, he did. Just broke right in the middle of our conversation. And I went, what? She went, yes, he did. He sinned. And I said, really? Where'd you hear that at? Well, I mean, he was a child at one point, wasn't he? And I said, absolutely. But I said, he was also God. And she said, yeah, but, you know, he had to have lied or something. He was a kid. And I said, well, you know, who told you that? Where did you ever hear that? And she said, I, I don't know. I just assume, you know, I mean, he's just a regular kid. I said, let me ask you something. I said, do you? You believe the Bible's the Word of God? And she said, Well, yeah. And I said, Can you show me in the Bible where Jesus ever sinned? And she said, Well, I, and I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to tell you the honest truth. At that very moment, I was a blank. My, my mind is spinning a million miles an hour, and it is like nothing is on the hard drive. And I'm trying as hard as I can to find a, a verse. And my mind's just spinning. I'm like, what in the world? Where's that? I, I know there are verses. What are they? And so I'm trying to talk to her and reason with her while I'm trying to get the, I'm like, Lord, give me something. Give me something. Give me something. And... Honestly, I was a blank. Tonight, I want to take just a few moments and consider the fact that Jesus was perfect and never sinned. We'll get back to the story in a few. 
<clears throat> but I want you to take your Bible, turn over to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. It was really strange, you know, to hear somebody say, I believe the Bible's the Word of God, but Jesus is a sinner. That, that was hard. Well, where in the Bible does it say that? Have no idea. I'm just telling, it just makes sense to me. Now, now think about that for a minute. How many times do we, you know, perceive things or believe things to be truth because we believe it? She was as convinced that he was a sinner as I was convinced he wasn't. But she was convinced he was a sinner because that's how she felt. I was convinced he was sinless by faith. Now, we're gonna, we just want to see now what the Bible see, says about these things. Hebrews 4.15 For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Thank God for that. Amen? But was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Can anybody tell me a time when Jesus was tempted? Anybody tell me a time? Okay. In, in the desert, in the garden, in, in both situations. We could go to both. Absolutely. But in that desert situation, chapter 4 of Matthew, we see right off the bat that Jesus Christ, after the baptism of John the Baptist, is led out into the, by the Spirit into the wilderness. And there he meets up with Satan, and Satan tempts him. And Satan tempts him on uh, you know, three different grounds, as we see. You know, uh, we know over in the book of First John chapter 2, you know, uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And if you would take the, the account in, in, in chapter 4 of Matthew and you would compare it to First John chapter 2, what you're going to find is that Jesus was tempted in each of those areas. And Jesus understands what our temptation's about. He understands what it means to have Satan, you know, sitting on your shoulder, so to speak. But the fact is, is that he's our high priest, it says, and he, he cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He never sinned. He never gave in to temptation. He never yielded to temptation. He was without sin, the Bible says. So we see him described as our high priest. And again, as our high priest... He would offer himself a sacrifice on our behalf and on the behalf of our sin. He also, the Bible tells us, is our mediator between God and men. We note that over in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. Turn there if you would. 1 Timothy 2, 5. <clears throat> Probably uh, I could have ripped off Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, right? And I could have said, hey, wait a second. The Bible says... He was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Could have said that, huh? For there's one God, 1 Timothy 2, 5. There's one God. Hey, did you hear that? There's one God. I just want you to understand that. There are a lot of little g gods, but there's only one God. Listen, I, you know, and again, this is not an issue of, of being we're right and everybody's wrong. That's not what this is about. It, it's not about trying to, you know, rub someone's face in it that our faith is the right faith and nobody else is right. That's not it at all. 
I mean, but the Bible teaches us if you believe that the word of God is true, then you have to also adhere to this reality and the fact that there is only one God. There are not two gods. There are not three gods. There are not five gods. There are not six or ten or a pantheon of gods. There's only one God. Now listen, that's, that's tough for us today in the culture and in the, the spirit of society in which we live. When everybody's okay, well, Allah's God and, and, and you know, Jehovah's God and, and Confucius is God and you have God living in you and wait, there's only one God. There is only one God. But Buddha and what do you do with him and what do you do? I don't know. Do whatever you want with him. He's not God. He's not God. The God of the Bible is the one God. And listen, by the way, just because you define God a certain way doesn't mean that's the God being spoken of in the Bible either. Well, I just don't believe God would send a person to hell. I don't believe anybody would ever go to hell because God is a God of love. You know what? You're not talking about the God of the Bible then. God doesn't send you there. You make poor choices and you fail to receive and accept Him. But let me tell you, there is a hell and men and women women will go there and boys and girls will grow up to be men and women that are accountable for their sin. And if they don't deal with their sin at some point when they reach that age of accountability, which we know is basically a consciousness, it's not an age issue in and of itself. But the fact is, is that they will be responsible at some point for their sin and they will either go to heaven or hell. So if you believe there's a God in heaven that wouldn't let anyone go to hell, my friend, that's not the God of the Bible. You're, you're worshiping some other God, a false God, a God you created in your own mind. Because there's only one God and he defines himself here. He says, search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and they are they which testify of me. You want to learn about me? Find out what I'm, who I'm, all, find out what I'm about and who I am from this book right here. Well, I just don't think God would want anybody to be miserable. I don't know where God's at. Boy, we heard about another tragic shooting that took place. My goodness, folks, listen to me. Where's God at? And we can get the idea somehow that, that, you know, and create this God in our mind. Well, obviously, the God that you worship isn't the real God because he would never let that happen. Wait a second. Those things do happen, and he knows it too. He permits things to happen. We don't fully comprehend, nor do we always understand. But we know the God of the Bible permits negative or bad or difficult situations and circumstances into our life. And He does it, we can hardly imagine this, He does it really for our own good. And He does it for the good of His kingdom. We don't always have to understand everything. But the God of the Bible is a God that sometimes is very misunderstood. And unfortunately, there's... There's so many that are misunderstanding who and what he really is. And we must make sure that we realize there is one God. And there's one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. Jesus had to become flesh. He had to become man. And there, in that human form, he paid the price for our sin. He couldn't have done it if he was in a spirit form. He had to be in a human form. Flesh. Now, notice, this is our high priest. And Jesus Christ, he, he meets our need and he tells us that we're to be holy and harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, according to Hebrews 
That's what he's said to be. Look at Hebrews 7.26. Now, see how he is described. Hebrews 7.26. What a high priest we have. 7.26. For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. That's pretty clear. He's not like us then. He's not a normal person like us in the sense that he sins. No, this, this high priest is much different. <clears throat> that truth is reinforced later in the book of Hebrews as well. Look at chapter 9, verse 14. <clears throat> How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Notice again, he offered himself without spot to God. When you think of without spot, what do you think? Pure, holy, sinless. He's without spot. There's no blemishes whatsoever. Not in his physical body, even, but just his, his character, his person. He's without spot. Well, that phrase paints a pretty clear picture in the minds of any person concerning his person. You know, Peter, he knew Jesus pretty good, didn't he? And he traveled with him for three years. He spent night and day with him many times. He would sleep out under the stars with him and he spent time ministering with him and eating with him and fellowship with him, uh, fellowshipping with him. Side by side. He was even part of that, quote, inner circle. You know, he'd have been in a pretty good position to see Jesus for who and what he really was, wouldn't you think? I mean, if anybody knew if Jesus was the real deal, it would be Peter. Well, look what he says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, the Bible says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow his steps. Who did what? No sin. You mean that's what we're supposed to do? Yeah. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Again, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. I mean, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. He didn't even respond in a negative way. He accepted it. He took it on the chin. He understood his purpose for coming to earth. And he knew that he was going to hang on a cross. And he realized that, hey, listen, I don't need to defend myself. I'm going to trust the God who has a purpose and a plan for my life. And I'm just going to yield myself and allow what to happen what is to happen. Wow. 
That's big time. But he didn't sin. Peter should have known. Peter lived with him. Peter traveled with him. Probably nobody that knows me on earth probably any better than my wife. She knows if I'm real or not. If anybody would, she would. If, if I, I mean, she would be the toughest one to fool at least. She's closest to me. Peter traveled. Peter lived. Peter slept. Peter ministered with Jesus Christ. And yet he said, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. Peter said, I know this man. I know this Jesus. He's God in flesh. And he never sinned. I've never seen him sin. I've never knew anyone like him. Like, never knew anyone like that before. He's so unique and so special and so different. The Apostle John. You know, John was the disciple who Jesus loved, the Bible says. Now, we know that he loved the other disciples. But he makes it a point to say he's the disciple in, his, in his, the book of John. John doesn't mention his name. He just says the disciple who Jesus loved. I, I like that. John knew that Jesus loved him then. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to really know that and believe that? You say, why are you saying that? Because so many don't know that. But John, he, he, he knew the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, he probably loved him. Arguably, G, John loved Jesus probably as much or more than anybody else did. I mean, I, I'm sure Mary, his mother, loved him. But, I mean, as a, a, a man of God, as a minister, as, as the Savior, I mean, John was enthralled with Jesus Christ. I mean, we see him there at the Last Supper. Where's he at? Next to Jesus. Where's his head? On Jesus' breast. I mean, this is a grown man. And someone says, yeah, well, that's so sweet. Yeah, well, if you came into a room and saw a grown man putting his head on another man's breast, what would you think? You'd be like, is he slow? Is there a problem? Is he brokenhearted? Did he just have a tragedy in his life? No, that's just John. He loves Jesus. He's just, I mean, he's got a passion for the Lord and the work of God like none other. Wow, he loves him. But you don't get where I'm going. I mean, this, this is something where he wasn't ashamed of his love for the Lord. He wasn't in the least bit intimidated. He was wanting to be as close to Jesus as he possibly could, just like you and I ought to be. So John, he tells us that there was no sin in the Savior either. Look at 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. <clears throat> Now, we know that Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost, but we're going to learn here in 1 John that it, it goes beyond that, right? I mean, so we're lost, but we can't be saved unless something happens. Notice this passage in 1 John 3, 5. It says, And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins. Okay, we do know that. We know that He came to earth, that He became man, that He ultimately hung on a cross. We know that His purpose and plan for coming was that ultimately our sins could be washed away, taken away. But notice He continues to say here, And in Him is no sin. There you go. No sin. I mean, John knows this. John too traveled with Jesus. And John was probably as close to Him as anyone. 
He loved him like nobody's business. And yet, as close as he got, he realized there's something different about Jesus. This Jesus, man, he came to, he came to take our sins away. But he, now nah, he had none. He had no sins. Paul would also go on to confirm for us that although Jesus was made sin for us, he was not nor will he ever be a sinner. Notice in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. <clears throat> the Bible says, For he hath made him to be sin for us. Notice this. Who knew no sin. Jesus knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So we receive His righteousness because He bore our sin. Isn't that wonderful? He bore your sin, therefore you can bear His righteousness. That's, that's amazing. But He was not a sinner. He knew no sin. Jesus himself, while he was on earth, he would pose a question to those that were around him. And the question, in a sense, would strengthen and sure up the case for a sinlessness. Turn over to John chapter 8, verse 48. And he asked the, these around him, he asked those around him this question. What a question it was. Notice in John eight forty six, the Lord Jesus Christ says to those around him, which of you, John 8, 46, which of you convinceth me of sin? Which of you convinceth me of sin? He says, which of you can accuse me of sin? Which of you can pin a sin on me? Which of you can point out a, a, a problem in my life spiritually? Who can point to sin that dwells in my life, my mouth, my actions. Can you do that? Which, which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? Jesus Christ. Sinless. Perfect. Holy. Righteous. So you believe the Bible's the word of God, I said? Do you believe what it says is true? She said, yes. Suddenly her mother jumps in and says, for goodness sakes, he's a preacher. <laughs> I started laughing too. I said, hey, that's all right. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. But let's go to the Word of God and see what it has to say about all this. And first of all, I said, you said that Jesus, being a child, would have had to have lied. And the Lord just gave me a verse. 
I said, let's look over here at Titus chapter 1, verse 2. And so we looked at Titus chapter 1, verse 2, and I said, the Bible teaches us that God cannot lie. And Jesus Christ was God. Do you believe that? Well, yes. Then he cannot lie according to the word of God. And I opened my Bible, and I went to the scripture in Titus 1, 2, and I read, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. I said, the same God that died on the cross, Jesus Christ, who is God incarnate, I said, the Bible says that he cannot lie. It's right there in the Bible. And I said, since Jesus God, that means he can't lie, right? She went, well. I said, well, let's consider another scripture. And that's when I took her to 1 Peter chapter 2. And we've already read that, but I said, For here and two are you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving an example that you should follow his steps, who did no sin. And I read the rest of it. Neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who bear our own, uh, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness by whose stripes you're healed. I said, the word of God says that he did no sin and neither was guile found in his mouth. You could just see the, light, the, the wheel spinning. I said, now you told me you believe the Bible is the word of God. Yes. I said, the Bible says that he's not a sinner. And so then I went ahead and said, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I said, he knew no sin, but he became sin for us. He became sin so that today, as I speak to your mother and you, you can have his righteousness. You can be clean. She was kind of surprised, and yet she was settled, if you know what I mean. Nothing else came out. And then I said, now let's go back to where we were. And I recapped our whole discussion and conversation. The Bible teaches us that we're sinners. Right there in Romans 3.23. We also learn why we're sinners. Because of the sin of Adam and that we're sinners at the very root. We were right through all of that. We talked about the fact that there's a wage for sin, a penalty for sin, and yet that Jesus Christ paid for that sin, and he was perfect and sinless. And therefore, he could take my place on Calvary and die in my stead because he wasn't a sinner, and I was, and I needed someone to save my soul and forgive my sin. And then we finished out that conversation. And before long... Carol was praying and inviting Christ into her life. Now listen, I'm I'm not kidding you. At one point in that discussion, when I heard her say, I don't know what it was, but I just went, when she walked in that room and just went, yes, he was. What just happened? I I mean, I was blindsided. I, I got... I, you know, I got sucker punched. And, and honestly, the wheels were spinning. 
And it, I, like I said, it was like a hard drive that was, had just been reformatted. There was nothing in the tank. But thank God he gave me something. Now let me ask you something. What would you have done? What verses would you have used? I mean, would you have been able to go to any one of the verses that we just either looked at or that I shared even? Oh, it took me a moment to regroup. It took me a moment to get my, catch my breath, so to speak, after getting punched in the gut. I don't usually, I'm not usually a loss for words, so to speak. But boy, that got me. And I got thinking, you know, if I could get sidetracked like that, if I could get to a place where my mind wasn't clicking and I was struggling with a verse, then I wonder if maybe some of the folks at Community Baptist Temple would have a hard time with that too. And that's why I shared this tonight. Because I want you to go home with a few verses in your pocket and say, you know what? I believe Jesus is sinless, not just because I've heard it taught in my Sunday school class, not just because a preacher tells me that, not just because I grew up in a VBS that said it, but I know the Bible teaches it. And the next time someone says to you, ah, he, he wasn't sinless, he wasn't perfect, you can say, well, everyone's entitled to an opinion, but if you believe the word of God is true, the Bible says that he was sinless. Let me show you a few verses because in the end search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and they are they which testify of me when it's all said and done if I be lifted up he said I will draw men unto me we have to elevate Christ if we want people to bow as he gets lifted up we fall to our knees because we truly see him as holy, as pure, as righteous, and for who he really is. God eternal, without sin. And us, wicked, vile, and wretched, with nothing to offer a holy God. So we elevate him, and it brings us to our knees. And that's exactly what we must do with a world that's lost today. Continue to lift him up. And we do that when we can point them to the word of God and show them who he is from this book. Not just from our lips, but from the pages of scripture. It'll make the difference. God help us to be equipped and be ready to evangelize and reach a world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I hope this has been helpful to you. We are done tonight. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we come to you. We thank you, Father, for just the privilege that we have to be a part of your family. But, Lord, we also thank you for the word of God that